0: Welcome back to the Martial Arts Mania Podcast. I'm AJ. And I'm Gavin. Hello, Gavin. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Your your hair is like sitting totally like Johnny Depp early 90s right now. You got like that one kind of fancy whooping yes. streak of hair in the front and it looks very uh, Tiger Beat. Right now.
1: Thank you very much. I think it but it just dropped right before you did the countdown and now it's gonna stay there and like tickle my face.
0: Yeah, but it looks so good. You don't want to move it now. Exactly. Yeah. That's uh I know how it goes. I know how it goes. Uh anyway. You you got you
1: got a fresh cut.
0: A couple weeks ago, but you know what? It's it's one of those ones, because I love my barber. I had her try something a little bit different. Now, for me, most of the time with my haircuts, it's like the first week is a bit of a transition still mm-hmm. looks good. And then by like maybe three or four days in, then it settles in and it looks good. This one is like growing out a little funky and I'm not sure what's going on. I think, uh, you know, cause I had asked for something slightly different. I think maybe it just didn't work right. Uh, or also I think I've just been, my hair's just been like sitting really funny on my head, like underneath hoods and stuff. Cause I've been wearing a lot of hoods and beanies cause it's been cold and rainy again. Yep. So I think maybe that's it. Uh, but yeah, it is, uh, definitely a little bit shorter than normal, but yeah. Thanks. Thanks for noticing two weeks late. Yeah. Uh, anyway, hey, y'all, uh, <laughs> don't even get me started. Uh, what's new in the life of Gavinson? son?
1: Well, as, uh, as we were discussing, there's a, there is a high probability. I, th- I think I'm now in the 90 to 95% probability that I will be heading to the far East the land in march
0: of the rising sun
1: yes so after last week's wesley snipes episode i'm gonna go try to find him in japan no i'm i'm heading to japan where my family currently is uh on a trip so i'm gonna join them for the tail
0: end of their trip awesome epic and when was the last time you were in japan i believe 2007 that is insane It is insane. Uh, For somebody that like, 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 you know, grew up in Japan and it's such an important part of their, their life and their culture that that's a long time to have unfortunately not been able to go back.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I was looking at my old passport. I don't know if it was, I was looking at an old passport and that's the last time I saw a stamp and I was really shocked. Wow. Um, So I I felt like there was a, a trip in between it, but I guess not.
0: Yeah. For me, it's, uh, you know, it's been a minute since, so I went to Hong Kong uh, in the fall of 2019 for my best mate Simon's wedding. So uh, not as long to Hong Kong, but it's been, uh, I'll be coming on six years since I went to back to China. And, you know, as many people know, I, I lived in China for a significant period of time, almost six years. So that, that's pretty long for me as well. And I would like yeah. to make it back there and maybe even this summer, uh, depending on work stuff, school stuff, uh, you know, maybe try to do a combined Shanghai and Hong Kong trip. I would like to, you see, I haven't been back to Guangzhou Mm. and yeah. So my last trip to China, by the way, was I did like five days in Shanghai, uh, which is the last place I lived and the place. I lived the longest in my tenure in China. I was there for over three years, but I was in Guangzhou for what would be like literally almost to the day, I think exactly two years or like two years and two days Mm -hmm. or something. And I haven't been back to Guangzhou since 2014. Uh, and I still have some friends there from when I lived and worked there. So it would be cool to go back and see and see how it's changed. But really the main priority would probably be getting to Shanghai. Cause that's where, you know, most of my connections and friends and, uh, old Sonda coach still are and stuff. Nice. But yeah, you know, it's, it's always, it's just, it's tough. It's tough to travel in general and it's tough for, us to get away someplace like you know the far east as you said and like for me when i travel i i liked anything less than two weeks in my opinion almost it's like it's not worth going and that doesn't count travel time so pretty much two weeks and two days i need a day to get there a day to get back and then two weeks to be there
1: no absolutely you're right this one is going to be a little shorter than that but i'm um since my mother and sister are already going to be there ahead of me um they're kind of like are not. They're not there as my anchor, but they're gonna like already have things set up. So all I have to do is get off the plane, get on a train, uh, get off the train, get on a bus, and then I'll 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 meet them and then have like they they have like a, a place set up. Uh, so then or in a that family case, friend that's giving us a, a use of their house. Oh, so, nice. Yeah.
0: So plane, a train, and then an automobile. How would you say, exactly? How would you say it in Japanese? basu. <laughs> Yeah, I like it. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, nice. Nice. Very cool. Well, uh, hopefully that ninety five percent chance turns into a hundred. We it, wanna see you go there. Well, don't worry everybody, all of our loyal listeners. We will still drop an episode. I'll make sure of it. Uh, you know, maybe I'll I'll invite a guest on or something. I mean, we don't we haven't done a guest in a minute and uh but we'll we'll figure it out. Don't you worry. And, and and I'm going to have a guest on too. Yeah, <laughs> Gavin's going to come back and he's been replaced. He's like, wait, what? I'm like, sorry, dog. Uh, you know, no vacation time from the Martial Arts Mania podcast.
1: Well, I am going to be channeling my inner rain.
0: Oh. Yeah. yeah. We, we hey, play hey, dog. It, sorry. It, we've moved on yeah. since then. But interesting enough, Passenger 57, our episode, started off like super slow. And then a day later, picked up like an insane pace. So I'm not sure. Oh, that's sure. great! Yeah, it was weird. It, it the first day was like way below average. I was like, ah, oh, dang, you know. And then suddenly the next day, it was just like, bam. And now it's you know way ahead of uh, our last couple of episodes. So really, thank you that's for the great. Support. Yeah. So thanks for the support, everyone. Glad you liked it. A lot of people gave us positive feedback on that one. Uh, a lot of people hadn't watched it in a minute, so they came back and rewatched it, revisited it. It's it's a fun fun film. Yeah. It's a classic. And man, the the music, the soundtrack, can't get over that. Stanley Clark. Clark. I know. All, right, all right. So, uh, any martial arts news? Well, I I think we were we were discussing uh some youtube videos have been released that's right uh so the karate nerd jesse n camp did a video with michael jai white which was uh, pretty entertaining. It's pretty much he came to Hollywood. It's, it's like a 20 minute video. Yeah. He trains with Michael Jai White for about a day or two. They do some stunt work. They do some, uh, well, they're supposed to do some physical training, but unfortunately it's, I guess they couldn't do that at Gold's. Then they do some uh, gun training. Yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's as far as I got in the video when they were
1: trying to jump his car.
0: Oh, dang. Well, you should, you should watch the rest of the video. Oh, I, I will. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then uh, they go do some shooting, and at the end is a final fight sequence. And yeah, it's it's kind of cheesy the the ending and stuff. But you know, it's just a it's a fun YouTube video, and I really like the Karate Nerd. Uh, Michael Jai White does a great performance in the end part, where it's supposed to be kind of like a movie because he's Michael Jai White and he's a fantastic actor and he's been around forever. Uh, our Karate Nerd, you know, it's, it's maybe his first like acting performance. Needs a needs yeah. a little uh, uh you know work. There but, you go. But that's all right. Uh, he's a very talented martial artist. I like a lot of his videos. I was actually recently watching uh, one he did with a Shaolin monk in Europe. Mm. Uh, so that was interesting. I didn't finish that one. I need to get back to finishing it. But uh, what else? Oh, we had uh, another Prime, excuse me, one on Prime event last night. Mm-hmm. I watched uh, two fights. Uh, but the the main one I was tuning in to watch was... Uh, the current, uh, one of the current Muay Thai champions, Tawan Chai versus, uh, the challenger, I forget his name, a gentleman from Turkey, a lot older, like in his late thirties, I was like 39 or anyways, but, uh, I was like, all right, this is it. Awesome. Uh, you know, it's a Muay Thai fight in the ring. Cause it's at, uh, I believe it was, was it, uh, maybe it wasn't Lumpini, but it was in Bangkok and, uh, but with the MMA gloves, so Muay Thai rules in the ring, MMA gloves, the fight lasted, I believe 47 seconds. Oh no. And the Thai champion beat him with a low kick. Not nothing crazy. Nothing wow. like, you know, a snapped leg in half. Nothing like, oh, he hit him in the knee on accident. Or d- nope. Just a solid, solid low kick. And the Turkish fighter just suddenly like crumples over on his leg and hobbles away. And fight was over. So ch-
1: channel some rob came in there.
0: Yeah. So definitely. Uh and this uh this morning I was asking uh Malipet about it. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, as in, uh, that the Muay Thai gym I trained down the street, who's very, very, very famous, uh, Thai fighter. And, uh, he told me it was definitely like a tendon, you know, mm. just, uh, yeah. So there you go. That guy is impressive. Uh, check out that fight. If you haven't already, uh, I didn't get to watch the rest of the fight. So I'll plan to at some point, but I've just had a crazy last few days, uh, went down to LA uh because my family's at Disneyland. So I went to go surprise my nieces. It was their big Christmas present. So they flew down from Seattle, mm-hmm. obviously with their parents, my my brother and his wife. And then uh my mom went down there first to surprise them. And then so she was with them for a couple days. And then I drove down there to surprise them. And so I stopped, trained Sugarfoot. That was incredible. Great training. Uh and then went down there. And then, of course, the winter snowstorm that L.A. has never seen before hits L.A. Just insane. So yesterday being Friday, I wake up. i had been checking it all day Thursday because Thursday was the big Disneyland day where I went with them. You know, exhausting. So first of all, yeah, exhausting. You know, barely sleep the night before because it's just a hotel. And, I'm you know, I'm you know, sometimes you're in a new environment. And then so I had to wake up at 5 a.m to go to the gym before Disneyland because we were starting mm-hmm. so early. So it's one of those ones normally for my routine in the morning when I wake up, it's, you know, I wake up, I drink my coffee, I sit in my massage chair for 15 minutes, then I do my PT and I do all my stretches and all that. Instead, I I got up at five and I was in the hotel gym at 5.10. Okay. Yeah, and I just obviously had to start super slow, but I had to, you know, I just did it like, you know, on the elliptical, whatever.
1: That, that's, that's I, I will say to our listeners, like I've never known you to ha- not have at least one cup of coffee, if not two cups of coffee before you begin your workout.
0: Yeah. And here's my coffee right here. But that being said, I also don't drink pre-workout of any sort. So coffee is my pre-workout. Uh, so yeah. And then, you know, we did Disneyland all day and I'm checking my phone. All right, cool. So the grapevine is pretty much the big connecting part of Southern California to Northern California. So, Uh, The funny part is a lot of people joke anything above the grapevine is northern California and anything below is southern California, even though if you were to look at a map, people would be like, wait a minute. No, that's still southern California. So pretty much the grapevine is uh, kind of a mountainous, but not too, not treacherous at all, but just like a highway that cuts through a bit of mountains to get. Out of like Southern California into the Central Valley of California. And really, that's the main way. That's the only way to go up and down without driving literally hours out of the way. Mm -hmm. Well, because at its highest point, uh, the elevation hits like 4000 something. Anyways, with this winter storm and it's happened before it even happened last year. I think it'll get hit with snow. So. I'd been checking it Thursday, Thursday, checking it. Okay, yeah, no, we're good. We're good. We're good. I'll be able to leave early Friday morning, maybe, bucks. The plan was to drive back up, train with Sugarfoot one last time, Because it's right on the way out of town. Uh, no, wake up Friday morning and everything's been closed down because mm-hmm. of the snow. So I'm like, all right, I check Google Maps to see if there, and there is alternate routes at this point. Like you could possibly go up the one, right? And that's an insane way to get back up to where I am in the middle of the state. That is insane. But then it was still open, slingshotting uh, east around the grapevine kind of going through the desert and then wrapping around going up that way. So I check Google maps. I'm like, all right, it's only adds two hours to my trip technically. So I needed to get back up here. I was like, I'm just going to do that. You know, I did a hotel workout that morning instead. Couldn't go see Sugarfoot. So I'm driving as I'm driving. First of all, the weather is insane for LA, just really bad rain, you know, flooding at certain spots. Uh, And then, you know, I get pretty much out of the LA area as I'm heading to head towards the desert and wrap around. And as I'm driving, my ETA keeps getting longer (laughs) and longer on Google Uh Maps. And I'm like, well, that's weird. And it keeps saying, uh, oh, route being changed because, you know, stuff kept getting closed down like by the minute. So you're being rerouted you're being rerouted, like little exits or, you know, highways were changing. But the main one I needed to get on was still open at this point. So I'm like, all right, you know, I just kept kind of having to drive farther around. So I, I was jokingly telling Jessica via text, my ETA kept saying five hours and I couldn't get below five. It would go back up to five hours, 45 minutes. Then as soon as I'd get to five hours, it'd be back up to five hours and 45 minutes. Reroute, reroute, reroute. So pretty much the main highway I needed to take got shut down. And I was like, crap, okay, so now I'm going to have to drive, you know, it's going to add about another three hours. I'm like, well, I'm already, you know, so far into this trip, I got to keep going. So then I drive about 30 minutes farther to that next route, which is going to be, you know, like an extra three hours ever. And then that one's closed. Mm -hmm. So at this point, you know, I've driven through the Mojave, through Mojave, like, so I guess that's the Mojave desert, right? Or it's, yeah, yeah. a portion of it. Yeah, exactly. And so it's beautiful. Some of this area is beautiful. You know, driving way past Palmdale, Lancaster, I never been out that way. I was like, wow, this is nice but I kept seeing more and more snow also like on the mountain stuff. I'm like, this isn't a good sign. So I get to that farther, uh, like highway exit that's been shut down. I forget what it even is. And there's dozens and dozens and dozens of cars and big rigs pulled Mm -hmm. over on both sides. Cause everyone's like, well, what the heck do we do now? Cause this isn't a joke. My next, like, option would have been to keep going north towards Reno. <laughs> and so that for listeners that don't know, that would have probably been at least at that point where I was maybe like four or five hours of driving that way. Then to get from there to my back to where I live would be five hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I stop, I pull over. I'm like, all right. I don't know what I'm going to do. I guess I'm heading back to the LA area. I thought, you know what? If I can still get over to Santa Clarita, at least I'll make the evening class with Sugarfoot and I'll go from Mm -hmm. there. And Gavin obviously graciously offered his home for me to stay. Anywho, as I'm driving back, the initial highway I was supposed to get on, Highway 58, opened back up, like miraculously, because I... I decide. you know what, let's just see what it says about getting home. And it was back to my original ETA. And I'm like, what the heck? They opened it up briefly. So I, as I'm driving back, I see that they're letting people on. I get on there. I had, I was telling Gavin, I had about a 45 minute window because that's how long it was going to take me to cut through this like mountainous highway at this point to get to the uh, the 99 freeway, the other side of Bakersfield. Then I'm in the clear. I don't have to worry. Just rain is all I have to worry about. But I had about 45 minutes because if snow started coming down, they would have stopped it and just made everyone pull over and, you know, do whatever. So uh, made it through, got home. Good thing I did that and did decide not to stay an extra day because as of wow. today, everything is shut down even worse because my mom's yeah. still stuck down there.
1: <clears throat> yeah, the, and things are shut down within LA too. Not like this road is shut down, but like there's actual flooding and flash floods oh, yeah. like happening throughout so you know I'm in downtown at work you live over in, on the west side of venice like I was able to come in but others others haven't been able to come in so I'm just like waiting it out and probably when as soon as I finish recording the podcast I'm probably going to go up through the valley down to venice than right? oh, going across so you're going to go
0: up the 101 to the 405 up that way yeah. damn that sucks dog Yeah, uh, you know it does but yeah but uh the, and then also one of the reasons I wanted to get back was I had to take Jessica to the airport this morning and of oh, course, she, yeah, she, could, she could have gone herself, right? But like, I mean, the whole point is it's kind of a free trip with a voucher. And I was like, what was the yeah. point of taking an Uber or paying for parking and this and that? So, you know, I woke up at the crack of dawn. I take her over there and, and? So Fresno International Airport, the uh, like pretty much you go down one street and then you take a right and then you immediate right into the airport. So mm-hmm. this intersection, which is McKinley <clears throat> and Peach, uh, is entirely flooded. Like, and I don't just mean flooded. We had already driven through like flooding. The kind of flooded that it was probably up to the, uh, you know, almost the door handle of the door. And so it's crazy. Like, so like halfway up the car, I'm not driving my Jetta through that. It was insane. And they actually had the entrance to the airport blocked with police cars. We saw a Jeep attempt to go through it. And like this Jeep was halfway submerged in water. And we're like, well, what are we supposed to do? So I, you know, I went across the street and pulled into the Shell station. And I was like, Uh wait a minute, we can keep driving through because the Shell parking lot connected to an industrial area. And so I just kept driving through parking lots across the street from the airport. And I got as far as I could. And I got her all the way to across the street from the terminals. Because unlike other like big city airports, you can literally walk up, to the terminal of Fresno off of like a, a city street. And uh-huh. so she was able to get out of the car, run across the street and then make her flight. But she said it was chaos in there, probably because oh, everyone was, it was either delayed or like couldn't get there. So I'm yeah. assuming she said, I think a ton of people didn't make their flight. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was, it was, it's just been bonkers. So we just went on like a 10 minute tangent about the weather here in California, but for Southern California, this is unheard of.
1: Like yeah, just, it, it yeah, it is i mean i think in the 90s el nino hit at this caliber but this is but el nino was this caliber Not as hard in a short period of time over like a one month period of time, like to have this much water hit us and this much hail hit us in the L.A. area in this such short amount of time. It's unprecedented in my time here.
0: Yeah. And technically snow, too. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, L.A. County. You're right. That's insane. Uh, Okay, so enough about our crazy weather and me driving a gazillion miles and being exhausted. But you know what? I got back on, you know, that's the other thing. You're traveling, your diet's all off. You're at Disneyland. It's like, you know, my nieces are so sweet and stuff, trying to feed me tater tots and everything, Uh you know? And it's like, okay. So you kind of- You can't turn down tater tots. You abandon the diet for like a day. It's like, okay, we got to go to the breakfast buffet with Mickey or Minnie and the friends. And so it's like, oh, okay, you know, 50 50 (laughs) bucks a person. I'm not going to not eat, right? Like- and then, but today I got back on track. You know, I, I went to hot yoga because I was already up at the crack of dawn, taking Jessica to the airport, got to go to kickboxing. So I feel good. I'm drinking my coffee. I'm back on track. Uh there you Diet's go. back on point, at least for today. Uh, so yeah, feeling good. Ready to talk about the movie we are discussing today, which is an incredible film. But first, you want to hit me with some quotes?
1: Yeah, indeed I do. So the first is a... a a question and an answer. I think you need both to get uh, the quote, but this is the easy one.
0: The chicken. You're going to ask me what the, came Yes, first. there you go. The How'd you know? Yeah.
1: Yes. Uh, what does it say on your business card again? It says the truth. You couldn't be safer in the hands of God.
0: Oh, yeah. You know what's funny is at first I thought you were quoting Silk. From that same movie, which is interesting because it's like the dialogue is maybe so similar the two <laughs> yes. of them, but you're quoting Chuck Jeffries from Honor and Glory.
1: Indeed, I yeah. am.
0: But so at first I thought that was Silk, like. Because I think he has a similar line when discussing himself.
1: Yes, he does. It's, yes. it's very similar. The other line I was going to pull from that film is, you know, you chase honor, I chase glory. But then I'm like, oh, oh, that that's, was way too easy. You're way too easy. But good
0: choice. I like that one. Okay. Thank you.
1: So this one might be a little difficult because okay. I don't think we've ever discussed this film. And this is not the hardest one. There is no situation you cannot escape from. You know the escape. Red escape gold? room six. Yes. Red belt. Holy cow. You got that.
0: And you know, it's crazy. I've never seen it, but <laughs> you've seen the trailer. No. Well, I mean like maybe like 15 years ago or something. I just, the first thing in my head that popped in my head was jujitsu. And uh, yeah, uh, well, <laughs> very, yeah, nice. very good. Actually, Ooh. you haven't seen the film. I, I would I recommend it. I know it's very shameful, but here's the deal. And I always like, and I've noticed this when you ask people, oh, have you seen this? And you can see the look on their face and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I used to do that too. Cause it's like, you, you, especially as a film person, sometimes you feel ashamed if you haven't seen something classic. And I've just started being a hundred percent honest about it and just being like, no, actually I haven't. And people are like, what? Have you not seen that? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, well, honestly, there's a lot of movies out there uh nobody can watch every movie and i try my best to keep up but yeah no i've shamefully enough never seen it uh well you know what i i don't know if
1: it's i feel like it is a film that you could write home about but at the same time i don't know i i went i went to watch it because david mamet wrote it and i just love his scripts
0: um no i always intended to uh just never got around to it. it
1: it it's I saw it, the first time I saw it. It was the best viewing experience. Ever since then, it, it kind of it's diluted a little bit. I've seen it like three times. Yeah, I've seen it. I have one more quote for you. If you are ready, I'm ready. Okay. It's human to lie. Most of the time, we can't even be honest with ourselves. Ooh, yeah. This one. This one's hard. It's human but to lie. This might be subtitles.
0: Oh. hmm. But. Rashomon. There you go. Did I get it? You got it. Oh, three for three with two super hard ones. Yeah. Dang, boy. That's Uh, good. Yeah. You know what? Like, okay. In all honesty, this week, this was more about thinking – like what relates to the quotes in terms of like uh, plot wise or this or that. That first one, I like jujitsu came to mind. I was like, all right, red belt. Uh, next one, just the the idea of lying, quote unquote, human memory. The fact that, you know, we as humans have a tendency to be actually Really bad with our memory, but we can convince ourselves something happened. This or that made me think Rashomon, but also because of the film we're talking about today, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. it's definitely a good choice. Three for three. You know what? I'm retiring undefeated. Uh, I'm the champion. Uh, that
1: actually today was pure championship caliber. This was this was like watching uh, Muhammad Ali
0: or Benny the Jet in in their prime, Dude, just in the zone. This episode's getting really weird because I was about to say, "Hold on, I'm taking off my hoodie and look what shirt I'm wearing." <laughs> there you go. Can you see it? Rumble in the jungle, Muhammad yeah. Ali. That's crazy. Crazy. Like, uh, wow, we're on a weird uh, connected channel or path here. Hold on, everyone. I apologize. I'm taking off my hoodie in case
1: no, people are No, no. Like, so I'll be- So I, as you're doing that, I'll just- I wanted to find a Henry Silva quote, but I've already quoted the best Henry Silva quotes on this show from his other martial art films. But my goodness, can this guy deliver lines? Yes,
0: he can. Okay, so I'm going to let you introduce the film. Tell everyone what we're talking about today, Gavin.
1: Today, we are talking about Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai, starring Forrest Whitaker, written and directed by Jim Jarmusch. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm oh I got it. Oh, I don't know. I was I I was afraid I was going to butcher his last name. <laughs> so I, when you
1: said, mm, "I'm like,
0: oh, I got it." Well, I that's actually,
1: how it, I was right all these years.
0: Yeah. Well, the thing is that that's what I was trying to think. Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: That's what you're trying to avoid. That's why I'm introducing it.
0: Yeah. No. I. That's how I would no. say it.
1: No. So it. It. We're we're discussing this. This indie.
0: Mm-hmm. film,
1: indie like kind of criterion collection
0: film. It is criterion collection. It is criterion collection, uh, is criterion so collection from yes. 1999. Now we brought it up a couple weeks ago because it was on my honorable mentions list for our Bushido episode because it's an incredible film of, about Bushido. But, and I have no regrets about my list uh, because, you know, once again, it was my choice, but this could easily be a number one on somebody's list.
1: Yeah, and, absolutely.
0: Yeah. for uh, the other Wing Chun guy uh, brought it up. Uh, it, I want to let people know that's his actual like handle on social media. I'm not just calling him. Yeah. That other Wing Chun guy, uh, C. C. <laughs> uh in, uh, Florida, I think what Saratosa, is that it Saratosa or Saratoga or. I don't know. The East coast. Is yeah. weird. East coast is weird. They got gators. In and bed. west coast is so. Got west, together. west coast is best coast. Uh, so, what, but yeah, let's back discussing to this
1: film. What, what do you remember the first time you saw it? And like,
0: yes. So once again, in all honesty, I haven't watched this since I was probably like 12 or 13. Uh, when like around when it first came out or it would have been first on like premium mm-hmm. cable. Uh, because the film's from 1999. So I probably saw it a couple years after that, maybe on like HBO or something. I watched it one time and at that at that age i i just wasn't ready for this film yet because also i went into it thinking it was going to have a bunch of uh like martial arts action and this is i was about to, earlier I was going to say this is the first film we've ever reviewed that doesn't have a single fight scene but technically it has like one little 3 second sequence and that's what i remember the most from when <laughs> i first watched it as a kid because i remember thinking that was awesome and then we didn't get anything else after that. And so I wasn't ready for this film yet. I didn't have enough knowledge of classic Japanese cinema. I, or even just cinema in general. I didn't know enough about Bushido. I didn't know. There's a lot of different things that I didn't know about that, nor was I as uh well versed in independent film, obviously. Mm-hmm. You no know, one in my family, like I'm very privileged. My dad did have me watch, my dad introduced me to a lot of great classic cinema, particularly the Bond films, yes. But like, you know, we watched Humphrey Bogart movies together. Mm-hmm. We did, we listened to a lot of classic radio shows that he liked, you know, like The Shadow and stuff like that. So I did classic Hollywood cinema, I, you know, ha- had some knowledge of and was introduced to at a young age. I had obviously seen The Seven Samurai by this point, but I, you know, I wasn't well ver- as well versed in Kira Kurosawa yet. Keep in mind, this is also an era where we didn't have everything just available to us right then and there, and uh, nobody had me watching independent movies at that age. And this film is definitely an indie film. Like when you yeah, this it, this is yeah, go this ahead. is
1: this is as. Deep in indie as you can get from American, uh, from from the American independent uh, circuit. And, I mean,
0: and this was a different era when independent films were still independent. Like in a sense, like nowadays, I feel like because production techniques have become much more accessible to everybody. I mm-hmm. mean, look what you could shoot on your phone. It's there's still obviously quote unquote independent films, but there's this era of like '90s, early 2000s yes. indie films that just had a very unique look and feel to them and they were all very unique and individual that was like the whole point and this film definitely falls into that category so my first time watching it probably would have been around 2000 2001 mm-hmm. uh was just way above me at that age you know I would have been like 14 15 maybe mm-hmm. when i watched it i watched it that one time it was just like what did i just watch but at the same time even when i was doing research on this and reviewing some of the critics they said the same thing like this movie is wacky you know because it it, it all depends on how you approach it because reading these different people's reviews of it i appreciate everyone's viewpoint and Mm -hmm. uh their analysis of it i'm like i totally see that watching it as an adult now was a whole different experience
1: well you 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 know uh, nail on the head completely the first time i watched it uh my friend marvin had uh either rented it or picked it up i think he'd already seen it and wanted me to come by and see it i i was working in film at the time and also playing soccer in Long Beach. So I would go down on Sundays, play soccer, then go to Marvin's place, watch a film, and then head back up to the valley where I lived at the time, close to be close to work. I was tired, and I was sitting on his couch. She put it on. And like, it just wasn't clicking. And he really, I remember him like saying like, I think you're really going to like this. And I like knocked out on his couch, and like halfway through, like I started to wake up and he's like, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe need to drive home. And I'm like, yeah, I definitely need to drive home. He probably doesn't remember this. Uh, but I, re- I remember that was my first experience with the film. And I'm just like, man, that, that didn't click, but I feel like it should have clicked. Probably fast forward five years after that, I'm working at the video store uh, and it's, it's there at the video store they had a great independent section uh so i took it home watched it and i'm like wow i love this the soundtrack everything i've probably watched this in total four times including from yesterday to today and each time i watch it i appreciate it and enjoy it more it is it's if it is a slow burn this has been like a two decade burn two decades Eh, Maybe, yeah, close to two decades since its release date.
0: If it's been burning for for two decades, you should probably see a doctor.
1: Okay, I was wondering about that. Yeah. Uh, But no, it's, it's, it, this is one of those films that improves. Now, there are other films like Once Upon a Time in the West. First viewing, amazing. Second viewing, even better, even better each time. Agreed. This is one of those films. Yeah, thank you. This is one of those films where first viewing is like, I, I don't, it's not clicking. It's not clicking for me. And then like, with each viewing, it's like this is clicking deeper and deeper. This thing is really, really special. This 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 film is. I mean, we'll get into what it what it's about, but this film really uh, addresses racial uh, r- racial relations, racial inequity, uh, racial uh, uh, racial harmony. Uh, cultural differences, language barriers, and lack thereof. It it, it just, it really is. uh,
0: There's a lot packed into this film. Very much so. So much to break down and analyze. It's an amalgamation of so many different cultures Mm -hmm. in both a positive way and also a critical way. And it's it's a very interesting piece, kind of uh, critiquing what I would say, both cultural appreciation, also cultural appropriation, for sure. Uh, Yes. Before cultural appropriation
1: was a thing. I mean, the 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 Wang uh, mafia, mafia gangster, you know. I mean, when he's rapping, I mean, it's actually pretty good.
0: Yeah, he's not bad. Not bad at all. But I mean, for an Italian, like in an Italian style, like if you imagine like a big band or something, like Frank Sinatra, if he was rapping, yeah.
1: But at the same time, because of his views of of black culture and African Americans, or maybe not black culture, but of, of. african-americans yet he embraces black culture but his views that is cult that is it, it is addressing culture appropriation before that was even part of our vernacular right. i mean it's just uh you know that the film so often there's so many great quotes to the film like uh that tells us what it's about like everything seems to be a cha- changing around us uh it just it, it's, it's a theme where there's change happening but you have people are staying and not growing like the there's there's not there's people not growing people trying to stay where they are and then there are people who yeah uh, uh there then there's a protagonist who is only working
0: on himself and grows right so and the funny part is i texted gavin earlier while i was driving to remember this so one of the main themes of the film and then we're going to get to actually discussing the plot is kind of this idea of the new versus the old the modern versus the traditional, and uh, I forget what the the last one I said was. I said new versus old, modern versus traditional, and then- uh, Do you have it? I'm gonna pull it up right now. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, new versus old, traditional versus modern, classic versus current. So these yeah. are kind of the themes of the film. So the the film revolves around a- modern day, uh, assassin in, it's kind of, it was all, it was filmed in Jersey, but they never really address where the, uh, the film is. It's like a fictional type setting, but it's like a New Jersey, uh, city. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, so, uh, 34 minutes. Okay. Yeah, so it's set in a uh, fictional type, like New Jersey, like city, and our protagonist is Ghost Dog, a modern-day hitman who lives by the code of the samurai. And this character is played by Forrest Whitaker, the great Forest Whitaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lives on the top of a building with his pigeons, and he lives this very by-the-book, strict lifestyle based around. Bushido, and Mm -hmm. he is an assassin for the Mafia, but in particular, one Mafia, uh, I guess you can't say boss. I don't know how the hierarchy works in the Mafia.
1: I, I, would you call him an underlord or overlord? I mean, he yeah. does refer to people he which I think are not mafia terms, but yeah, Japanese samurai court terms, right?
0: He's not the bottom of the barrel. He's not the top. He's like a a, a general or something, right? Yeah, like he's a made guy. He's a made guy, you know, uh, and anyways, he is uh, an assassin for him. They communicate only via uh, courier pigeon. Very old school. And what kind of what yeah. kind of bird? So. Pretty much the, the setup of the story is he does a job for this mafia guy and it's a it's a in-house hit in a, a sense. So pretty much one of these mafia dons is sleeping with the big boss's daughter and they decide to have him whacked. Unfortunately, the daughter witnesses it and uh, witnesses ghost dog kill this guy. Uh, ghost dog lets her live and then the mafia guys decide, well... We can't have him around now because then it could come out that we had our own guy whacked, so they decide to take him out. And from there, it's uh, kind of an interesting setup of the the theme of loyalty because mm-hmm. Ghost Dog looks at this uh, mafia gentleman as his retainer, right? Or no, he is – Ghost Dog is his retainer? How does that work with the terminology?
1: It Yes, Ghost Dog – Yes, Ghost Dog is the retainer. Right, okay. So no, no, he, I mean, the the, the gentleman is, retains Ghost Dog, okay. so he's the retainer, yes.
0: Got it. And so, uh, and, uh, okay, and so, wait, are we sure about that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Ghost Dog sees himself as a retainer. As the, re- okay. Yeah, so thanks. he's the retainer. So it's what for, I said the first time right. and then falsely corrected myself. So he's the retainer, for, myself. the retainer for Louis. So Louis is the guy that, you know, Hires him and we find out the reason why is Louis saved his life eight years ago and then yeah randomly he louis
1: sees uh he this, this young yeah. this young guy ghost dog being beaten up and he, he pull he pulls a gun and and saves saves a ghost dog and then ghost dog five years later four years later four years later reaches so, out yeah. and I'm indebted to you
0: Because at the beginning of our story, the mob boss, when the, uh, the mob bosses are asking Louis, like, who is this guy? We got to whack him. He says, well, I don't know how to get a hold of him. Pretty much. He tells the story about how eight years prior he saved ghost dog as he was being beat up by like a white gang. He literally shoots and kills this kid that's beating up ghost dog. And then randomly four years later, ghost dog appears at his doorstep and offers his services right now. Mm -hmm. This is why I theorize he must have gone into the military. Like that would make sense with the timeline, oh, right?
1: Four years later. Four there years you later, go. right? Because it's nice. why he
0: has all these uh Military-like skills on top of his samurai-style-like skills, but you know, which which and during his mugging, he is wearing a a t-shirt, a Japanese uh, t-shirt, so he he was always into it, steeped in that, right? And then he probably went into the military. So for those that don't know, in U.S. armed forces, typically, I mean, the the minimum service is like four years. So maybe you know, he went to the army, learned the skills he needed to, came out, and then became an assassin. So he's been working for four years now, and. So now the mafia has got to take him out. And that's the basic setup of the story. Now, this is just, once again, a setup for a lot of interesting players throughout, a lot of interesting themes. There's so many different, like occasionally you have like a common thread throughout the film, right? Like maybe one motif or something. This Mm -hmm. film's got a lot. There's a lot packed into it. There's a lot of commentary, like social commentary, Mm -hmm. political commentary. Uh, it, stuff like that, and you you know
1: you know what's interesting about this film. While it, it there is a lot of social commentary and uh, political commentary, it's seen so much through the eyes of Ghost Dog, who is just an observer. He passes through. There there are periods where he passes through a I'd say three three members of the Blood Gang. And they, you know, they recognize him. They say, you know, they greet him. Then later, he's sitting in a park. He's observing uh, a gang of Crip members rapping. Mm -hmm. And they acknowledge him. So he's passing through this world. I think, I feel like everything is is symbolic in the film yet also not symbolic it's it is just an event but it's also symbolism it's it feels almost like the way I would want my documentaries to be where it is non-judgmental it is just presenting and you as the audience feel discomfort you as the audience
0: interpret and even judge for yourself I'm so glad you said that all that because you said it so gracefully and my tired brain couldn't put together the words I like uh, but it's very much told almost like a chapters in a book or mm-hmm. even segments of a comic book and this is something you find throughout like japanese cinema it's one of the reasons i love uh lone wolf and cub does a very similar thing where there's these slight in-betweens uh where they break away from the story does it take away from the story not at all but does it have anything to do with the development of the plot no in the sense of like the narrative that's being presented but yes in character development and so it's the same thing here uh and there's a lot of fading in and out so it's also kind of dreamlike and it's on top of that yes throughout the film ghost dog uh is quoting the uh hagakure (laughs) yes and so So the hagakure is uh and i'm going to read from wikipedia the hagakure kikigaki i probably butchered that sorry Uh, is a practical and spiritual guide for a warrior drawn from a collection of commentaries by the clerk Yamamoto Tsunetomo, former retainer to Nabeshima Mitsuhiga. And so they actually, throughout the film, will put up quotes from it and ghost dog reads them. So you see the words on the screen and it's like chapters of a book. It's like, this is our next section. This is our next section. Sometimes it drives the story or the narrative forward. Like, okay, we need to know what's going on. Other times it's these slight little breakaways. Like you mentioned where Mm -hmm. the bloods are the crypts and they all acknowledge, acknowledge him ghost dog. And it's almost like these slight little parables we have throughout where Mm -hmm. yes, it's not necessarily significant to the plot, but it, is teaching us a lesson or it is a commentary on life and on the environment in which ghost dog lives so therefore it is essential because we see him as a character we learn more about him we and we also see some of his involvement as well
1: yes and you know it's funny because there's a the the film has elements that in, uh, in other independent films we would we would categorize as quirky But the quirkiness, again, it's, it's his best friend sells ice cream from an ice cream truck. He speaks French. He does not speak English. Ghost Dog does not speak French. They converse with each other. They play chess. They, uh, they walk around. Uh, they observe a guy building a building an arc on a rooftop, and they're both wondering how's he going to get it off the rooftop. But they don't. They don't understand what Ghost Dog might say it to his to his French friend. The French friend says it down to the guy uh, on the neighboring roof, who then replies in Spanish yeah. up to them, and they don't understand what each other's saying. But they understand, and this is what we're talking about. Like what, this film, we understand as well. Sort of what we we as an audience member understand because there's subtitles, but we also understand that they are friends despite this language barrier. Right. We understand that uh, it, it it's it's almost like uh, the director, the filmmaker, showing us that there is there is opportunity for understanding even when we don't share language, as long as we're open to each other. Whereas when we meet the three head mafia bosses. There's Henry Silva. There is obviously the, the, the guy who's sort of essentially running things The yeah. your number you and then there's, there's a, an older gentleman who is stuck in time and, you know, audience, you know, fair, fair warning, you know, that there are some racial slurs that come out in this film, hard racial slurs. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it's, it, again, it's it's done in almost like a documentary fashion where these are the words that were used, and these gentlemen are opting not to. The I feel like the back to what you what you had texted me earlier, uh, the mafia is not seeking to grow. They're seeking to keep their philosophy, but impose it on the world around them. Whereas ghost dog is seeking to keep his philosophy, but imposing it on himself. And that's how he's able to drift through the different people, the different cultures and gain respect. Whereas the the mafia is slowly losing respect. We see them paying off people like
0: they owe back rent. Oh yeah. They owe- well, yeah, it's even more so than that. It's like, yeah. so and I love how you brought up his friend. So his best friend, Raymond, the French speaking ice cream guy. So at the basic level, I, I love their relationship because I think what it's showing is that at the end of the day, we're all human and humans mm-hmm. have the same tendencies. We have the same emotions. We have the same needs. And at the end of the day, as different as we can be, we're also very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think one of the things that represents this is the fact that they play chess together. Chess is mm-hmm. very international. It's, it's also
1: black and white in uh-huh. many ways.
0: And so, and it's, everybody knows the rules. It's the same everywhere, you know? So anybody, even if you don't speak the same language could sit down and play a game of chess together. Now, uh, and what Gavin was explaining, was kind of for people that a good uh, example would be in the film, uh, Love Actually, they do a very similar thing where he falls in love with the Portuguese woman, uh, Colin First character, and he'll say something in English and then she'll say back in Portuguese, Uh, uh, exactly what he said in English Uh and it shows their connection. This film takes it one step farther where it'll it'll be like the French gentleman will say, oh, and and we get subtitles. Oh, the little girl came looking for you. She wanted to give you your book, uh, but you Mm -hmm. weren't here. And Mm -hmm. then Ghost Dog will say, I don't understand what you're saying, but you mentioned the little girl, she probably came here looking for me, wanted to give me back the book, but didn't want to give it to you. So it's like, he'll literally say verbatim what he just said in French. Yes, And it just shows how deep their connection is. And that is one other side character we have is the little girl that ghost dog meets in the park. And oh, they that's exchange a great, books. Yeah, it's it a is-
1: great sequence. I, I you know, it, it, there's, there's one point where the girl approaches him and says, M- my mother says, uh, you don't have friends and you don't talk to anyone. And he says, I don't know your mother. Yeah. Like, exactly. so she doesn't know him. Yeah, I And mean, it's just like, there's, so, I, I mean, the script is, is a softer touch than a, a film we were talking about earlier. Cause I was thinking about other independent films like David Mamet, David Mamet's writing is just as smart, but it's a little heavier. This is, I don't know your mother. So there's more to interpret behind everything. So it's like, your mother doesn't know me and I'm talking to you. And it's just, they're, they're like these, it's, it's simpler. It's, it's cleaner. Everything is just light, it's a light touch. This film is a light touch. And and for me, one of the, one of my favorite scenes in the film outside of the training on the, on the roof, by the way, uh, is when the, he meets the girl and then the dog is just staring at him. The pit bull is yeah. just staring at him. It's
0: like, what is that? Where's the symbolism? Is that him? Is that who he is? Well, and, and that's why I feel like those are the sequences that are almost like these little parables, right? Like that are supposed to teach us some sort of lesson about yes. life, about interaction, about, because she just says, why don't you tell him to go away? Mm-hmm. And he like says, go away. And the dog just turns around and leaves. Like it's, it, it's these little lessons they're, they're teaching us. And it, it's almost in lesser hands. They would be, these sequences would be absurd. They would be almost like something you'd see in a comedy. And it's interesting that like one of the critic critics I was reading, the, one of the reviews, they straight up called it a dead pan parody of like hitman movie and stuff and i can appreciate that interpretation now i didn't look at it that way but very easily i could see how someone may interpret it that way because yeah
1: no you're right it's it's like on the first viewing it is it is highly misinterpretable uh and, and it's funny because this time as i'm watching it i actually wrote down that In many ways, it's a silent comedy, not silent like Buster Keaton's silent, but it's a very quiet, soft-touch comedy, Uh, but it's not, but Uh, it is.
0: Yeah, and a lot of that has to do with the representation of the mafia. So this is where a lot of that new versus old, modern versus uh, traditional, uh, classic versus current – And so pretty much the, the mafia bosses in this, first of all, they're all old as crap, even the quote unquote young, and they're all fat, (laughs) out of shape, poor health, like quite honestly, pathetic. So I think it is that the whole mafia type family is almost like a parody of your like mafia families. Cause yeah, typically they're older, but like, let's go and look at like Goodfellas or something like those are tough guys. They are vicious. They're like Joe Pesci beating somebody. Like they are the. The top dogs—they are you don't want to mess with them, right? They are—they run the show and they know it. And there is like some youth and vibrant uh, nature to them. I mean, like Ray mm-hmm. Liotta's character is obviously a lot younger. Uh, you know, you got De Niro in there and so forth. But all the guys here are old. Like there is no young guys. None. Oh, e- they're all ancient. They're all fat, out of shape. Like in one sequence when they're going up to try to yes. find ghost dogs, yes. they're out of breath. They can barely get up the stairs and. You had mentioned it briefly and they never really address it. It's just there. There's this theme of kind of the, so (gasps) like the traditional culture that Ghost Dog is, you could say, obsessed with the way of the samurai is ancient, out of date in a sense, and scarce. You don't see it very often. The mafia Mm -hmm. is going that same way in this film. They are failing. First of all, there's Mm -hmm. no young mafia members. It's just these old guys that are like knocking on death's door, they are failing as an organization also. So pretty much they run their like little outfit in the back of a Chinese restaurant on top mm-hmm. of that, not even an Italian restaurant anymore. They owe back rent by three months. <laughs> I know. And their landlords there at one sequence, like, I'm gonna call the commit, like, you know, the city board or whatever. Yeah,
1: the marshal. Yeah. The
0: marshal. And the when Ghost Dog starts going to take them out and goes to their houses, each one of their houses has a for sale sign we no it and and you see it very in the very
1: beginning as well like that first for sale sign and you know it's it's funny like i come into these podcasts with notes and then there're items that you bring up that inspire new thoughts and you just did that with the fact that they're not recruiting right yeah. they, they're not recruiting but in the meantime Ghost Dog, in essence, is recruiting when he and the way he's recruiting is through sharing literature, which literature plays a big role in this film. I mean, they they talk about books, but I don't want to sidetrack from the mafia. I just want to say, like, what you're talking about is is it's is spot on. It's like you share through knowledge, whereas the mafia, these guys are stuck in time. And and, you know, if you could have brought on three comedians to do the three Mob bosses, but Henry Silva is scary. I'm sorry. In this film, he is scary. Like he just looks dangerous, but he's 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 becoming stone. He's
0: becoming like he's no longer moving. Nice, yeah. And he's becoming less dangerous when you find out how little power these guys actually have. In a sense, when you start realizing, oh, they're failing. This whole whole organization is failing. And Mm -hmm. so it's interesting because there's this motif throughout uh, with cartoons. So throughout the film, all the old mafia guys watch these old cartoons. We're talking old, like 1940s. We're talking like the pre Looney Tunes ones, the ones that you used to watch on a compilation VHS tape when you were a kid. Yeah, exactly. That era. And so, and they're kind of like zombies when they watch it, they may laugh occasionally, but it's these old cartoons, which are according to, uh, our director, Jim Jarmusch, it was more so supposed to be, they kind of reflect what's going on in the plot. I didn't really pick up on that as much, but the fact of the matter is I more interpreted as like you said, they're stuck in their old ways. They're like reminiscing about the, the good old days. And like when they were, you know, the, the classic mafia and it's this other example of classic versus modern because so the daughter of Henry Silva. So Henry Silva's character, Ray Vargo, he's a mafia boss. Uh, his daughter, Louise Vargo starts off at the beginning of the movie with her, uh, her lover played by handsome Frank. They're watching one of those old cartoons and she's trying to read a book. Right. It's kind of, you know, more so like she's in a sense, Mm -hmm. trying to better herself. And then Throughout the film, suddenly she starts to watch the Itchy and Scratchy show, which for people don't uh-huh. know is from The Simpsons. And at the end, when she eventually becomes the new leader of the mafia after everyone gets killed, that's what she's also watching at the end. So it's kind of this whole taking over of we have the old cartoons, which are outdated, out of touch. Mm-hmm. And then the new wave is coming in and. Now we have the modern cartoons, which are also more violent in a sense. There's some violence in the old ones, like a silly shoot 'em up, but obviously itchy and scratchy are kind of very, they're, they're like a parody of hyper violent type of, I'd say Mm -hmm. like media that maybe children are exposed to, uh, that may be digging a little deep, but no,
1: I, I, I think that's, that's what this film is for. This film is it's everything's there to dig out of it. it. It's it's not one of these films where it's overly symbolic and you don't understand what's going on. It's just the first viewing it's like, okay. Second viewing. Oh, now you're starting to interpret things that speak to you. Yeah. Uh, It's so I don't think you're digging too deep at all.
0: Uh, Yeah. So that's like the, the cartoon thing is very prevalent throughout and the mafia guys being uh, kind of in in another, in my opinion, pathetic. Uh, And So our other like main boss is Sonny Valerio. So Mm -hmm. he's played by Cliff Gorman. He's the one that is like kind of not, you can't say obsessed because we don't get enough exposure to it, but right out the gate, like when they're asking uh, Louie about ghost dog, they're like ghost dog. What kind of name is ghost dog? And then, Pretty much like Sonny's character it's like, yeah, you know, it's like the rappers and, you know, they've got their their names. And then he starts, he's like, personally, he's like, I think he says a few like Ice-T and Snoop Doggy Dog. Yeah, Dogg, he's yeah, like, my personal favorite has always been Flava Flav from Public Enemy. Then he raps like a whole verse from Public Enemy. Uh, and you're kind of like, what the heck? And then later in his house, he's also <laughs> rapping to Public Enemy. And he's yes. like, dancing around his robe. And once again, it's very... It's very like Frank Sinatra-esque of rapping, but he's doing like a good job. In a, yeah, he is. But, uh, and it, it is interesting though, because our score also, and you had mentioned this earlier, and mm-hmm. phenomenal score by the RZA. Uh, of? The Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah. Wu-Tang. Uh, and you definitely hear, uh, pardon my French, old dirty bastard in there too. Yes, uh, you do. I'm not, I didn't quite catch any, uh, other members of the clan maybe there was but uh old dirty bastards voice is just so distinct you know like you when you hear him you're like okay but uh and then Riza makes a cool little cameo uh as like another like urban samurai in a sense and once again like when ghost dog encounters these gangs they encounter each other and they're like he's like ghost dog you know like yeah. they, they give each other equal respect because they're they're both warriors walking through this concrete jungle you know day by day like he's they both have and they're very they kind of mirror each other in a sense they their outfits are completely different but similar right like mm-hmm. you know he's got a necklace that but and he's got a necklace they're both different you know he's in camo uh he's in tactical type stuff and so it, it's just an interesting it's a cool little cameo and then also that one little martial arts sequence at the beginning i just saw was uh done by shi yanming who i believe was uh is the instructor for the Riza, he's the one that has oh, the, okay. uh, the Shaolin temple in New York yeah in Manhattan oh very yeah. cool very yeah. cool so that makes sense why they threw him in there uh you don't really see him though because once again it's this little aside that has nothing to do with the plot pretty much it's, it's, somebody tries to mug him and he ends up he's a martial arts expert takes out the guy and that's it, it.
1: so what, what I like about independent film is that it the, the story ultimately it's it's it unfolds there's a beginning and there's an end so it is linear in that sense but what i like about independent film is it's not clean yeah and i'm not saying this this film is cut clean it's per, it's beautiful but it's it's not this narrative where everything has there, there isn't a narrative where everything has to fit in perfect it is It is life.
0: Yeah. So what Gavin's trying to say is technically, it's very clean production wise, especially because some independent films have a much lower budget. They may, you know, oh, you know, lighting. And sometimes as we mentioned before, like dogma filmmaking, there's certain rules where it's supposed to look like not as good. This one is technically very clean, very beautiful, very well shot. Like I could just watch ghost dog walking around this urban neighborhood, you know, doing his thing like that would be very documentary feeling like you said like an observational documentary which is what we get in a sense we're watching ghost dog just walk through this environment and it's interesting because as mysterious as he's supposed to be everyone seems to know him also like yes. it, and it's funny how like the mafia is like how are we going to find this guy and it's like well <laughs> you know, probably just drive around the streets and you see him walking around uh which they actually do at one point they, they do and they, there's there's yeah. that
1: moment where they look at each other but i mean yeah they're going they're going to different rooftops uh you know threatening and shooting other people near carrier pigeons including a native american uh,
0: I mean, it's just it's another it's, very interesting aside. That's like a commentary on I guess like a social commentary on America and so forth. Like, you know, the the reckless disregard for the environment and the life within it, where they just decide yes. to shoot this guy's pigeon for no other reason but just to be an obnoxious butthead. And yeah, and then
1: he and then he's like, "You dumb, blanking yeah. white man," and it's just like you feel his anger. I mean, yeah. they, they still have guns on him, but he says this because you guys are really dumb. Yeah, and it's and it's really indicative because it's it they are dumb. They don't they didn't need to do this. And you know, it's uh, you know, you know what's interesting is like as you were as you were talking about like the Italian mob, mafioso he, heads of the mob watching cartoons kind of mind-numbing cartoons when uh when ghost dog is talking with Perline in the park about the book she's reading that's the little girl by the way Perline. yes uh they go i they go through the different books that she has like uh wind in the willows love it souls of black folk never read it night nurse <laughs> and frankenstein and then so when she pulls out night nurse he's like read that I read that and when she brings that night nurse he's like did you read that she goes no i just like the cover so it's interesting because she's not engaging in the she just has it for the cover but she's not engaging in i don't know, like the the dumbing down content of that and she's because engaging book, in frankenstein
0: way, for reference it looks like it's like an adult novel
1: yes and so and and like if you look at this film the film the film talks about hagakure rashomon the film books we just mentioned which are all i think substantially very important even frankenstein like and he quotes the final line from frankenstein where it's like he springs from the cabin window and then eventually uh lost in the darkness and distance i mean just like it's really beautiful
0: stuff and frankenstein what's frankenstein about A, a master and the servant in a sense uh and you know his creation and Frankenstein and the doctor and their retainer. It's very reflexive of like what's going on here, right? And the the troubled relationship that obviously Doctor Frankenstein ends up having with the monster. Mm-hmm. What we end up having with you know Louis and Ghost Dog eventually a their very rela- troubled relationship yeah, that eventually comes to uh, uh, a clash at the end when you know Louis is forced to spoiler alert kill Ghost Dog for mm-hmm. his new boss, the daughter. Uh, you know, the young uh, Vargo, right? Uh, Louise, mm-hmm. wait, hold on. Now I'm forgetting her name. Uh, yes, Louise Vargo. And, you know, but Ghost Dog gives up his life. He knows that's what has to happen. He leaves everything to his best friend, Raymond, all of his money and stuff. And uh, yeah, he dies peacefully, but it's kind of like, once again, it's this the end of an era. It's an end of their relationship. It's the end, it's a you know commentary on the end of the traditional ways of the samurai in this sense. Yes. The end of the old mafia now. Absolutely. We're, we're doing things a new way. Uh yeah, there's, there's just man, so many layers to this film. It really is. I mean, and this this is this is a film.
1: It's funny because you know, when Topher brought it up, and then we've been discussing the films we've been discussing, and we wanted to end sort of on the highest intellectual note possible this month of of uh of films. And I didn't realize how deep this movie was. Like again, like this being my 4th viewing, 4th full viewing, maybe 5th, it it reveals so much more now and maybe it reveals more to me now because of the Bushido episode we've done, because of this podcast, because I've had a longer sustained time of training in martial arts at this point. It just really it spoke to me even at a deeper level than it has before and it's it this is a film that i can absolutely rewatch, but it is not a comfort film it is i have to be i have to watch this i have to watch every single sequence that's on
0: and you really need to give this film a chance start to finish even if okay and because we already told you there are no like fight scenes in this there's a brief like two second little sequence there is kind of one shoot up scene at the end which and ghost dogs approach to the way he like you know Shoots and does stuff. It's very samurai esque. He always puts his gun away, uh like you're sheathing the sword. Like he does the circular motion mm-hmm. and it puts it in his holster. <laughs> there is one slight training sequence that Gavin mentioned, where on his roof he's training in the martial arts. So he's pretty much doing what would be like uh, kenjutsu or you know the art of mm-hmm. the sword. And then it, it it's done kind of in a stylistic fashion, fashion where it yeah. blends like it's like slightly blurry at some points, and then mm-hmm. it'll cut into the next one. So he's pretty much doing three different styles. He's doing yes. the art of the sword. He's doing the art of like the short uh, sword or long knife, like kind of the Filipino arts. It's like- I was going to ask yeah, you about that because that's that
1: specifically, he looks like he actually has- a- high level of competence in that
0: yes. and it's definitely fma and then the last one is kind of like a boxing trapping wing chun also very fma filipino martial arts looking mm-hmm. like uh panantukan you know like the unarmed combat which is very much like in a sono lineage and i'm 99 percent sure and i totally forgot to look this up so i apologize that forrest whitaker does have some training in uh like that style of martial arts because if i'm not mistaken he also utilized it in uh that uh the Repo Man movie he did with uh, Jude Law. Yes. Yeah. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice.
1: I'd uh, i, I, I forgotten about that film.
0: Yeah. So I believe that was also uh, part of it. Uh, here we go. Whitaker studies yoga, has a black belt in Kempo, and is a vegetarian. He also trains in Eskrima, originally under Dan Asano and currently with Joe Jackson. I assume not Michael Jackson's dad. So, Uh. Yeah, he definitely has that background in FMA, which makes sense why, in all honesty, and I'm not the expert on Kenjutsu or Kendo or any of that, the the sword-like stuff he's doing, it's the very basic, not sure how accurate that is. I know his stance mm-hmm. looks a little wide to me, mm-hmm. I don't know, but the FMA stuff looks very fluid and natural, and that's where you're kind yeah. of like, oh, and you know, as I said, it's kind of a mix between boxing and trapping hands when he's doing the unarmed stuff, yeah. and uh, that would be my one critique, just from a martial arts nerd standpoints we didn't get to see him utilize any of that That i know i i agree but also like it makes sense since
1: he is a sort of a weapons uh, gun expert like the way he i mean his his assassinations are pretty darn good
0: and you know the argument could be made oh well maybe you know jim jarmusch couldn't have handled that kind of sequence well he did a fine job handling the one like "Quote unquote," like kind of shootout sequence in the house. I thought that was well done. Very nice. The, the blur, yeah. the blurred effect is, you know, eh, I think that was also a product of the time. But it was. Uh, otherwise, yeah. Uh, so that's kind of like the main martial arts stuff in it. But once in the physic physical side, we have the mental and emotional side throughout the entire film. And uh, of the little intertexts we have uh, from. The uh, Hagakure, I actually took a picture of my favorite one, which is uh, towards the end. Uh, Here it is. And I think this sums up the main theme of this film, hence why it's towards the end. It is said that what is called the spirit of an age is something to which one cannot return. That the spirit gradually dissipates is due to the world's coming to an end for this reason. Although one would like to change today's world back to the spirit of 100 years or more ago, it cannot be done. Thus, it is important to make the best out of every generation.
1: Oh, it's so good! Yeah, it, that's such a great quote. I'm glad you pulled that one. Uh, you know, and and that really encapsulates the theme of the film, not the theme of the Haggakuda, because it, you know they talk about times are changing. That's uh, they bring it up so often. It's uh, and that that was really just the end. So like we said, like these independent films, they they have vignettes, uh, but that is the theme of the films. The times are changing, and you can't change it. But yeah, that's that's the best. That's the greatest one to pull for this right. film.
0: And I think there's extremes to it because I think you could still honor the past while embracing the current, and that's kind of the downfall of ghost dog in a sense is he's too attached to the traditional ways because quite frankly there's no reason why he shouldn't just kill louie his quote-unquote retainer and you know keep living his life or whatever but he's so stuck on the traditional way that this guy that technically has like betrayed him it's like he will not go against him because it is quote it is his quote unquote master right and so i think it's this idea of you know, a, a balance. And, you know, we as humans are guilty of it all the time. Like we constantly talk about the nostalgia factor and stuff from our childhood and that's normal, right? But you can't obsess over the past, right? That's, you know, just like there's uh you know, like silly, cheesy quotes, like every day's a gift. That's why they call it the present, <laughs> you know, like the idea that live in the now, right? Learn from the past, appreciate the past. Uh, understand your culture and where you came from, honor and respect, you know, your family or even ancestors, but also adapt to the modern times. And we see this a lot in martial arts culture where there isn't an adaption to the modern times, especially within traditional martial arts, even martial arts styles. And it's just an interesting commentary on life in general, that is found, yeah. and that's kind of the main thread throughout the whole film. I feel is this balance between new and old, traditional, modern,
1: mm-hmm.
0: classic, and current.
1: Uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. You're 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 completely right because ultimately, if we're not open to change, then we cease to exist and even if you are trying to force the world to adhere to the way you things were like the mafia the older mafia members were doing or you try to live by a code uh and are imposing that code internally if you're not living within the times it's you know then you the times will move forward without
0: you there you go all right. Any final closing thoughts?
1: Uh, no, I, I'm just, uh, this, this, this is really was enjoyable. I'm, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad we ended up discussing this film because I, it had been a few years and I didn't, uh, I didn't realize it would, uh, it would be as not as enjoyable, but as just like fulfilling and fruitful to rewatch. I mean, this is really a, a, a fruitful re- rewatch.
0: Agreed. Before we forget, your turn, my friend. Give us our language corner for today's episode. Oh, today's Very language bush- corner. yeah, bush- Bushido themed, you know, obviously Japanese culture, Japanese. So what do you have for us today?
1: Uh, today, I'm going to say I have mayo. No, that's ah. your thing. You're thinking I have nothing. No, I'm going to say mayo, May- mayo. I'm saying it. Dang it. I'm saying like Chinese, but I'm saying it means honor. Okay, so... Mayo. Great. Mayo. Mayo.
0: That's very easy, Mayo. Yeah.
1: Mayo, yeah. So, yeah. M-E-I-Y-O for- for- is how you spell it. The first character is part of the uh, name. Uh, and then the second character, um, credit, uh, it basically, it uh, now it's credit, prestige, honor... And then there's Ayo, honor. Uh, there are different ways of saying honor, but mayo is the, is the one that I'm most familiar with.
0: And how is their like, uh, transliteration spelled, you said? M-E-I? M-E-I-Y-O. Okay, so the only difference between in Chinese is there's a U at the end in pinyin. So in Gavin's defense, it is almost the same exact pronunciation as uh, mayo, which means nothing or not yeah. to have in Chinese. So I can see how you got mixed up. So give us a short sentence with mayo.
1: Oh, short sentence with mayo. <laughs> I think you can see the jokes that are coming up in my head. Um, I don't know if I can do that. A noun,
0: like um, he has
1: cut it. Cardinal, because sometimes words change once you put oh, them in sentences. But me. I will okay. say. Kare wa meiyo arushito. Okay. He is a man with honor. But I will, if there are any listeners out there whose Japanese is superior than mine, <laughs> no, seriously, please let me know how, if, and how I'm butchering this sentence because I've never really spoken of someone's honor. Uh, but kare, his, no. So kare is him. No makes it possessive. So kare no meiyo. Kare wa, let me rephrase this. Karewa meyo arusto. Karewa. Wa becomes has. Karewa. He has. He is someone who possesses honor. Karewa meyo arusto.
0: I like it. Cool. That's so, a great great word for today. Uh we're gonna wrap it up there. We're we're a little over again. Uh we've just been having uh We're having a lot of fun. Yeah, this month, uh our uh like black history theme for this month, in case you didn't catch that, we never really actually said that. Uh, I put it like in the hashtag, but you know, yeah. just we just randomly were like, hey, let's start, you know, doing some of our uh, favorite films with, uh, you know, either well, in this case, it was mostly we didn't really do any black filmmakers. Did we? Uh, to... Wait, Michael, oh, yeah, J. Michael White. J. White, of course. Yeah. So there Black, black, and, we go. black yeah. Diamond. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then and then, you know, actually with with Wesley
1: Snipes. uh uh, passenger 57 he has a he he has a major commitment to using black filmmakers yeah. and and pre- musicians as as a producer he has always been uh invested in giving voice with with the power that he when he had that power he gave voice and kevin hooks obviously uh african american filmmaker and stanley clark uh you know yeah. going back to passenger 57 i mean he he gives He made sure that he shared his platform.
0: Right. So there you go. We had fun this month. Uh, Next year we'll probably do the same thing. Uh, Check out all these films, uh, particularly Ghost Dog. Yes, Way of the Samurai, Samurai. which is available on HBO Max right now. So check it out. Uh, An amazing film. On that note, uh, always a pleasure. This this is yeah.
1: This is very very. uh, Not only is the film thoughtful, your your commentary inspires even greater thought.
0: Likewise, my friend. Okay, that was really bad. Fake <laughs> yeah. laugh that did segue into real laugh. All right, my friend, I'll see you later. <laughs>
1: All right, take care.